Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Bridge Street Capital Partners is a Sydney-based corporate advisory firm that specializes in equity capital market transactions for small cap companies listed on the ASX, primarily in the mining, energy, and tech sectors. If you are a Section 708 sophisticated investor and would like to be on Bridge Street's distribution list for their upcoming capital raises, please send them your details via an email to invest at bridgestreetcapital.com.au and mention the BIP show in your message. Now, on with the show. How are you now? Broadcasting from the VFS studios in Northbridge, Sydney. You are listening to the all-new BIP Show, Season 4, Episode 12, I think. Don't forget to hit subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. And a reminder that all of the financial information in this podcast is general in nature. Only speak to a professional advisor about your needs. Coincidentally, that is what I do. My name is Whelan, James Whelan, Investment Manager at VFS Group. This episode is being recorded in Sydney. It is the 20th of May, 2022 AD. The time is currently 939 a.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time. Markets are trash. Or are they? In short, yes. In a slightly longer way, yes. But in a slightly more intelligent way. I've brought some guests in to be a little bit more entertaining than I am just now. I've got with me Heath Moss from HLM Investments. And for the first time, um, getting it done is uh, the freshest of face from Ausbiz. It is Kyle Rodder. Boys, how are you now? Very yeah. well. Very yeah. well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> okay, no problem at all. Now, uh, thanks for joining us. So the f- uh, I don't even know where to start on this one. Heath, I'm going to start with you, mate. How trash is this market? Um, what's, what's, what, what are you seeing? I'm just, it's an open question. What are you seeing from your perspective? Um, where, what's up, what's down, what's not, what's, what's, where's it going? Why is everything coming off? Yeah, look, I think you got you got two sides to the story. I mean, the US uh, US market is is completely trash at the moment. Um, it's not looking very good at all. But I think in terms of how far we've got to go in terms of that sell off, we're, we're we're getting closer to the bottom um, than we're not. Um, and on the Australian side of things, I mean, whilst we're off, I mean, I think we're, the Australian markets are down about five percent for the year, about eight um, percent from our highs. It's outperformed global peers by some margin, and we, we don't look too bad. If we, technically uh, on the charts, we're not looking too bad, and even fundamentally in terms of earnings, are where we expect our earnings to go in the next twelve to twenty-four months. We're looking pretty good, and 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 uh, on a price to earnings uh, multiple, we're looking maybe cheap here. Uh, I saw some stuff. I went to the Alan Gray conference yesterday, and you know they they don't like to be called the deep value guys, but they pointed out some areas in the market which is just insanely cheap that you could look at and and that is that is the thing i was just having also a conversation offline with con michalakis of what used to be known as statewide super but the um and, and a big fan of the show and, I, and just talking about maybe that the, the the easy money in value could potentially have run out what's going to be next i said well you know what to to be honest i think that quality probably gets a bit of a run once the dust settles there's just one problem is that the dust 
is not going to settle um, anytime soon. It just won't settle. It's a real pain in the ass. So um, now in front of us, we've got the Bank of America Fund Managers Survey. And uh, Heath, have you, do you have the, the, the literature in front of you? For this yes, one? I do. Yes, I do. Kyle, do you have the literature in front of you, or are you? I have I have the main chart in front of me at the moment, but I have I have perused the document. Okay, okay. So you're across the source material. That's more research than any of our guests have ever done in the past, mate. So boys, uh, really well done. Congratulations. Um, more research the, than I've ever done in my career. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding. And yet we all get by, isn't it weird? Uh, so, oh, funnily enough, speaking of which, um, I just got a little headline pop up on my on my note that another hundred advisors left last week, um, left the industry because. Wow. They cannot pass that Fazia exam. Jeez. I, so speaking of doing the bare minimum basic research, you know who you are. I'm getting very critical with these guys now as well. If you can't get through that exam, come on, come on. I'll pay. Yeah. I'll pay. How many have they had to? How many shots have they, they, they had? It was supposed yeah. to be three. It was supposed to be three goes limit. That was it. You yeah. Um, no, keep on going around the thing because they're just going to lose too many advisors. I tell you, anyone who wants to pay me a couple of thousand dollars, I will give you a crash course on how to pass that exam. Um, I'm not entirely sure that that's legal, but there you go. Um, I can do that on the side. It took me 40 minutes, guys, so it's not that difficult. Get into it. Um, now, where are we? Bank of America Global Fund Manager Survey for May. Um, always interesting to see where the survey period of this is the 6th to the 12th of May, 2022. 331 panellists with $986 billion in AUM. <laughs> Funnily enough, a couple of months ago, that was probably about two, a couple of billion higher than that, I'd say, but... Um, so it's it's basically a really good way of just telling what's what's moving in the market, what the, what the industry was seeing at that particular time, and getting just a feel for where allocations are on portfolios. So this is a real thing, real fund managers and, uh, with some real numbers. Straight up, Heath, mate, what's your takeaway from the, from the survey? It's it's probably one of the most bearish surveys I've seen since probably the GFC overall. Um, we're at the extreme bearishness of the uh, the survey side of things, um, which is, you know, one step above the full capitulation, which generally signals bottoms. Um, tech is just so underway at the moment. Um, we've seen the lowest levels of tech being held since 2006. Um, and cash levels, cash levels at their highest since the uh, 9-11 uh, sell-off. Um, as well, so yeah, pretty pretty bearish overall. Yeah, uh, Kyle, mate, what was your takeaway from it? And this, have there been any guests this week that you've seen uh, notably that have that have that have mentioned anything like this or talked about sort of just how is this market in capitulation? Is pretty much the question that I'm asking on top of that as well. Yeah, I mean, all the guests that we speak to are saying not yet, and they're waiting for that to come before buying back in. And I mean, looking at this this chart in terms of you know basically the cash levels, there's kind of two ways to think about it. The first one intuitively is that oh, okay, we're at clearly bearish extremes. Now it's time to put some of this cash to work. In saying that, though, we're getting a lot of guests talking about the analog to the you know basically deflation of the the dot com bubble. Which, if you do compare it to just say this chart here, where cash levels were much higher where they are now, it kind of gives you this you know perspective that again it's coming all through a lot of guests that you know maybe compared to say the last 10 years or so this time is slightly different and that we've got further to run here to the downside so those are those are my first thoughts but if you want a, a general guest perspective they're waiting for capitulation they don't think it happens yet but uh, has happened yet um, but they believe that it's it's going to come and that it's it's kind of inevitable really yeah so um the bank of america so that the, the survey is good and a lot of people say oh, it's, it's backwards looking it's backwards looking it's like they acknowledge that it is backwards looking that's 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 how this works however that they've managed to pull historically if it says this happens in the past or what people are feeling last month 
then usually we see this as being the thing that happens going forward. So they've got their bull bear indicators that, that, that they switch onto this. So, so one of those is the cash rule. If the cash is above 5%, there's your buy indication. And if their bull and bear indicator, so um, if their indicator falls below 2 um, then it's a buy and they want to sell when it rises above 8. It's currently at 2 and cash is currently at 6.1. So there's two two buy indicators. The one th- the one indicator that wasn't there was the capitulation indicator. So that's that's the key. So they need the capitulation indicators that they've got um, to show when the extreme bear low is. Heath, do you want to walk us through if I just take it to page 4, the top of page 4 there? Uh, the, 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 the most, the, most uh, the highest on, on the sheet is the short-term rates um, and that obviously also lines up with a couple of the the, uh, the, the risk sentiment uh, indicators as well being hawkish central banks and inflation. Yep. Um, but that's at one of the, uh, the, the extreme lows uh, but not the lowest it's ever been. But um, we've got one, two, three out of the – how many have we got there? Ten? Is it ten different indicators? Yeah, Are at the extreme bare lows. So that would suggest that we've still got a little bit way to go. Yeah. Um, and even uh, like we mentioned about the cash levels, I mean, it did get to around 8% in um, uh, the year 2000 during the dot-com uh, bust. I mean, but, I mean, I don't feel like, uh, especially in tech, it's the same. I mean, generally, when when the dot com bust bust happens, there was a lot of fraud. There was a lot of, um, you know, crap in in terms of the earnings inside the tech tech sector, and yeah. and earnings actually went negative when um, uh, it, it fell eighty percent. Whereas this time around, there's a lot of lot of quality earnings in um, the the tech sector. So I don't think we're going to see those sort of levels again. But, the, only, uh, the, yeah. the, only, the only fraud that we've seen is in the crypto space. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you could you could almost lump that in with the tech sector, I suppose, because there is a correlation there. Yeah. Um. You know, we've all seen how Bitcoin and the cryptos have moved when and the Nasdaq has fallen off. So, um. But yeah, this this uh, survey suggests we've probably still got a little way to go. But I mean, my gut feeling is telling me that we're not far off. We're not far off at all. Yeah, the, uh, so the other capitulation indicators that we're looking for. So we've got cash rate is cash. Uh, the, the cash rate of fund managers is, is high, six point one percent tick. Um, there's people thinking it's a stronger economy is is in a deep negative seventy two. Stronger profits is in a deep negative sixty six. So people think that there's that, that we're not you know it's a weakening profit cycle that we're in. Um, will people think that there's higher short term rates? That's still too high. Um, we need that number to drop right down. We need equities overweight to drop right down as well. It's still way too way too deep in equities. Bonds overweight is still too far under underneath, obviously, because it would be long bonds knowing that they're going to come off theoretically. Um, you know, or too too deeply long bonds, and that's the situation that we're in right now, where you can't really hide anywhere in this market. And the bull bear indicator is two. It could be a little bit lower. Probably will be by the time the next time the survey is done. Um, that one, that's an acronym. I'm not going to go into that one. Equity flows and the, and here's the thing, the outflows, here's, here's this situation. Kyle, outflows are still not happening. There is a lot of inflow into this market. Has anyone talked about ARC this week with you guys or last week? No, not much of it. Um, I mean, I suppose what I can add there as far as what clients are talking about is two things. One, this is still, and this is why I don't feel like we're at that capitulation phase yet and that, you know, we can still have a little bit further to run is it. You had a lot of people coming on talking about sort of finding value um, and, and you know, um, cheap valuations, which always tends to be the case that you've got holdouts who are still buying this market. The other ones in terms of, um, uh, I suppose, in, uh, 
people who are managing other people's money is that they're they're constantly saying that they're basically trimming on every rally um, and trying to go to as, as much cash as possible. So from what I can tell, there's money coming out of equities, but there's still enough holdouts in there for basically bag holders to exist um, for as long as this goes and, and until it does capitulate. So yeah. that, that seems to be the kind of two two key threads that from, I guess, the stock guys coming on, that that's, that's what they're saying. So let's have a look now, Heath, and I'm just going to try and find it and it's in here somewhere about where the positioning actually is in what people are owning. So, uh, okay, let's have a look here at, what is that, six. Page six, we look at where people are actually positioning their their clients. And let's talk about how you're also positioning your clients too. And I'll talk about how I'm positioning my clients as well and Mm -hmm. have been positioning my clients as well. One of the main frustrations that I've had is that I mean, the things that I've been telling people, because we've all known that rates are going to go up and we all know that the squeeze on margins is going to happen. And we all know that wage, that the facts are that, you know, that inflation, people were debating transitory or not. I said that it wasn't going to be transitory. It turns out that I was correct. Great. Good for me. However, I could be as right as I want and I've got people in all the right things, but it is a wholesale decline in those things, which sort of makes it frustrating. There was no automatic switch into those things. And whilst you're outperforming because value is outperforming, quality is also outperforming. Gold is is doing okay because the gold ETF that I have is is fortunately priced in the right currency. My US dollar holdings are doing uh, are doing great. All those things, it, it, you're, you're still coming off. You're marginally outperforming a pretty crappy market. It doesn't look as amazing as you thought that it possibly was. So it's really it's it's about client messaging. Um, how are you also positioning it? And let's have a look at how people are positioning based on this as well. Yeah, look, I mean, if we look at the survey, um, uh, people are overweight, defensive, so utilities, staples, healthcare, um, and they have been uh, they've been positioning themselves that way for some time. We all saw, I think it was around August, September last year, where it started to shift from growth to uh, to value and these defensives, um, and that's part of the, like we spoke about off, off air, part of the reason we saw the major sell-off the last two nights was some of those staples are starting to um, record uh, poorer earnings and poorer forecasts. So we saw Target, we saw Walmart, we saw Cisco all get absolutely slammed over the last uh, few nights and oh, that spooked the market because these these are supposed to be the places that it's safe, you know. We get less volatility here um, and yet, you know, Walmart had its largest one-day fall ever. We had Target's largest uh, one-day fall since the 87 crash. So um, that that's where people are overweight at the moment. Obviously, they're underweight tech, and they haven't been this underweight tech underweight tech since August of '06. Um, and generally, though, the underweight tech side of things does is is short lived. Uh, generally, it bounces back pretty quickly. About two to four months, people stay underweight tech. So, yeah. Um, hopefully, we see a turnaround there. In terms of personally, where I'm um, to what I'm telling clients, like I said at the start, um, we're not seeing. Um, the same sort of uh, themes play out as as harshly here in, in Australia. We don't have inflation running as rampantly as we do in the US. Um, but I think the US markets can sort of give us a bit of a crystal ball into some sectors, um, like your discretionary retail. Those, those reports, if you dive into those reports from Target and Walmart, they're suffering huge uh, cost increases and margin pressures from freight and energy. Um, and I don't think our um, uh, retailers here are going to be immune to that. 
uh, either. And there are also obviously supply shocks in terms of being able to get the stock on the shelves for, for them to sell is also impacting um, their earnings moving forward. So I think here in Australia, it's, it's a sector for now we're going to see re-rated. And we saw your JB Hi-Fi's, your Harvey Normans, your Super Retails yesterday get slammed on the back of it. And I think they'll continue to come off and be re-rated lower uh, for the next two years on the forecast earnings for the next two years on the back of that. Yeah. Um, outside of that, I'm just telling clients to hold off at the moment um, and letting the dust settle, hold your cash, because I do have quite a bit of cash that wants to enter the market. Ooh. I have clients tapping me on the shoulder saying, I want to allocate some more funds. And that will only get worse because, you know, we're coming up to tax time. Everyone goes to see their accountant at tax time and then they come back to me and say, okay, I've got extra money in my super or whatnot and I need to allocate more. Um, so I'm telling them to hold off. Um, I think obviously uh, resources, stay overweight resources, stay overweight energy, um, stay overweight non-financial, uh, uh, non-bank financials, so you, your, your uh, Macquarie's of the world. Um, and, 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 and sorry, just the last. I think you can start now moving into healthcare. So your Sonic Healthcare, your your Ancels, your Resmeds, your CSLs, the quality healthcare which has underperformed the XJO by about ten percent this year. I think it's time you, you can now start allocating some money into that. Just trickle trickle it in. Carl, have you heard any good ideas this week in a similar sort of vein about about pick and choosing what allocation spaces is going to be? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Um, I suppose just to, you know, it's going to sound like I'm a contrarian here um, to, to, to Heath, just, but I'm just going to try and add something different from the perspective. So I've, I've heard because all of those things have, have obviously great ideas. But um, there's one, there was the, the, the big shock when it came to um, the, the target results. And I think a lot of people up until this point were investing in those spaces on the assumption that people, uh, consumers would have to move down kind of the value chain, if you will, um, to, to be able to manage this inflation. Everything gets more expensive. They'll spend more at the staples. They've run into this shock that maybe that area of the market doesn't offer the same defensive quality that they expected. So there's there's that element of trying to readjust to that. The other thing that's really interesting too, when it comes back more to the fixed income discussion, the inflation discussion, is um, you know we had I won't probably not appropriate to name drop, but you know a few few you know fairly prominent um, uh, investors in, in the Aussie market saying. Uh, you know, long-term rates might be starting to turn lower here. We could see the peak in yields. Maybe you start dipping your toe back into some quality tech again. And, and the, the, obviously, the operative word there is quality. quality. You, don't, you don't go buy up buy momentum. You don't go buy obviously, you know, stocks with promises of cash flows out into the into the twenty fifth century. Um, but you start to buy quality. Um, you know, companies with big balance sheets, pricing power. Um, but you know, that have been sort of beaten up a little bit because it could be start the, the time could be starting to turn for them. Just again, based on that sort of argument about risk free rates. Yeah, I, I can sort of see potentially it's worth a little bit on there as well that, that, that you might want to dip a little bit into it. There is another thing which is here. Uh, yeah, it came through on the Bloomberg. A $10 billion quant. You mentioned momentum, which is um, which is funny, Carl. So that reminded me of, of what came on the headlines yesterday. Mm. BlackRock, uh, their big momentum factor ETF, MTUM, uh, is it's got its latest semi-annual rebalance. So this is from a, a note from Wells Fargo. It's got a semi-annual rebound with the fund's underlying index due to start the process next week. Wells Fargo estimates a whopping 75% of the smart beta's product holdings will be turned over in favour of sectors that gained from elevated inflation, like value and energy, at the expense of technology names. This this is the, the, an interesting trigger. So it's a momentum ETF. You've already had the movement that's happened in tech downwards. You've had the movement upwards in value and energy. And now... 
they've got to play catch up, and that's just going to push both of those things in the in the other direction. It's possible. I'm sort of looking back, going, I've got this. It's a really easy theory that's on anything. If you see someone that has to sell a stock, nothing has changed in that stock's narrative. Nothing has changed in the story for the stock. Nothing has changed for the numbers of the stock. But simply, someone has just had to sell it, and it goes down. That's the easiest money you could make. And if you're quick. Then you, then you can do that. We've seen it happen in stocks. You had a couple of fund managers that have got margin called recently, local guys. That's that's t- had to drop the price of the stock because they've just had to dump it in the afternoon. Thinly traded, get in, buy it, go, because nothing has changed in the, in, the, in the story of that stock. We could see that, I mean, this is a pretty pretty sizable ETF, $10 billion all up um, for this ETF. If it pushes some stuff around on a, on a slow Tuesday or something like that, there could be some deals out there. I'm still saying Google. I'm still saying Microsoft. And I'm still saying T-Mobile are probably the only three tech stocks that I want to own as as just being good quality names in that space. So um, any anything to say about that, boys? Um, oh, not uh, anything in particular. Apart from that, my, my buy finger in terms of growth has been getting itchy. I, I've been looking at some of these growth names in, the, in Australia, uh, like your Domino's, um, Prometicus, um, Zeros of the world. Uh, and and um, it, it is beginning itchy at these current valuations. And, and I agree with Kyle and uh, his uh, um, uh, person they had on the, the show the other day. I think it, it, we, we're getting so close to that, that turnaround again where we start to see tech outperform value simply because of, you know, the outperformance that's happened over the last 12 months yeah yeah um all right i'm gonna have to wrap it up now there was something else that was happening too so yes um arc a-r-k-k did receive its largest inflows in about a year last week um which was phenomenal that there is still a a huge amount of money plowing into that etf so people there are believers in that space and that's the innovation tech so that's what i would call the crappy tech that i was saying at late last year don't do what kathy does um, the Cathy Tech is not where you want to be, and now there's still people who are who are plowing money into that ETF, and there's still people who believe that those innovation names are are at a point that they're happy to pick them up, and they still believe in what she's saying. Good for them. Um, I'm not quite there yet. I think it's probably got a little bit lower down to go. Um, Kyle, mate, anything to wrap it up with that, to, that you wanted to touch on? Um, no, I think I've got all all, all that's out there really. Um... Yeah, yep. I mean that's 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 the biggest thing. I think it was just that shock during the week about where you can hide in this market. That's yep. and and the, everyone we're talking to is still waiting for capitulation. So for for me, at least on the market and aggregate, and that's probably what I look at is um, that you know maybe just kind of sit in your hands a little bit until um, until you, you see that bigger capitulation, and then there's going to be great opportunities. But again, you know maybe it's a stock picker's market. Someone had to say it. Every time, every time someone says that, an angel loses its wings, mate. Right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, commodities, commodities, commodities. We haven't touched on yet. Heath, I know that you're big in that space. Uh, yeah, look, uh, I still think uh, your copper, a longer term, is the place to be. Uh, lithium, I think we may have bottomed out in lithium. Well, it's been copying a bit the last uh, few months. Um, we saw SQM report the, the other night, uh, last night, I think it was, with record profits. Their share price went to record highs. Their uh, commentary on prices moving forward was really, really positive and bullish in terms of they're expecting about uh, $38,000 a tonne for lithium carbonate for 22 um, and a little bit under for 23. Um, there's, I saw a stat the other day for uh, the lithium market to hit its targets by 2030, it needs $42 billion of capital invested in it, 
which, um, yeah, it looks like it won't happen. Um, so it probably will probably miss demands uh, sort of things there. So lithium um, oil, I'm a little bit each way on. I, I, I'm not sure um, if we've seen peak oil yet or not in terms of prices. I still think it remain relatively high, around eighty, ninety dollars a barrel. But mm. I don't think we're going to see that one hundred and fifty. Um, I know China's coming back online and will be demanding more, but they're going to be sourcing it from Russia. And we saw that over, uh, last night that the uh, China have made an agreement with Russia to source oil over there. So some of the oil they were sourcing elsewhere will, you know, start moving around. Um, and I think that lowers lowers the price a little bit. Um, and then we've also got the US and the, the EU possibly heading into recessions. So that will lower demand. So I'm not as sold on, on oil, but uh, energy uh, earnings should remain strong for the next uh, couple of years regardless. Um, but yeah, um, and that's that's about it. I think uh, nickel, oh nickel as well. I think nickel. nickel uh, just, say, just say all of the commodities face. Yeah, we're overweight and stocks as well. It's yeah, yeah, no we're overweight uh, commodities overall. But yep. uh, I think those three are my um, uh, top uh, the top yep. ones. Anecdotally, coming in and and just as we wrap it up, we are selling our steers. Everyone knows that I'm a, I'm a farmer, and we uh, you know we do some cattle farming on the side. And we're selling our steers, I think we got $3,200 a head uh, a couple of weeks ago, which was absolutely phenomenal. There was a time when I was flabbergasted by going over $1,000 a head for steers. So these are only about 16 months old. Just just incredible numbers that's in the food space. And that's that's coming through at restaurants. They're taking steaks off the menu because physically restaurants can't buy the, the meat and without knowing that they're actually going to be able to sell it to people who are actually going to the pub as well. Keep in mind we've also got an election coming up on Saturday and we'll wrap it up. I don't want to talk about the football. Um, apart from the Swans, we'll probably get beaten by Carlton tonight. Uh, the Crows will probably win at some stage this no, year. No, no, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> for the year now. Um, so what's your take on the election, guys? What, what sort of a government do you think we're going to see this uh, coming next week? Mm, hung Parliament. Big call. What do you, what do you do? You're getting hung? Hung Parliament. I don't think any sides really offered much uh, to, to the electorate. I don't think I don't think the Liberals can, can hold on after the last three years, but Albo hasn't sold much. We've got a lot of those independents waiting in the wings. So I'm going to say Labor, Labor minority government. I, I, I'm, well, I was going to say I'm going the other way. I think uh, Liberal minority government think they get back in. Um, the good thing is either way, I, I don't think the, the parties offer much different from each other. The, the, uh, the, the policies are, are fairly similar. Um, so I don't think it's a big thing. The worst thing would be for a elongated hung parliament where, you know, similar to 2016, where it was about a month before we got a result and, and the economy basically went to a standstill. Yeah. So that's something we want to avoid. I think, I think Labor minority, I've got a couple of bucks on that, um, which is fine. Uh, Kyle, your successor at your last shop wrote in his note this morning, quote, according to research, I love his referencing material there. Let's talk to him about that. It, just generic research. In the 11 elections held since 1990, the All Ordinaries Index climbed by an average of 1.2% within a fortnight after the election date. The Aussie dollar on average rose by 1.3%. So you want, to, you want to play the averages game, long Aussie, I would probably go long Aussie versus the euro at the moment if you want to be playing that sort of game. And, you know, what's the lazy money into the market as well. However, if it's hung parliament, well, all bets are off on that one. But, yeah, Labor minority getting in there. Um, Boys, last chance, last bids, final bids, otherwise I'm going to shut it off. 
No, nah, you've got all nah. that. All done. All done. Good. This uh, this podcast is sponsored by the amazing guest, Bridge Street Capital Partners. If you want to know more about what Bridge Street Capital Partners do, send me a note and I'll be able to help you out. Apart from that, you can send a note to invest at bridgestreetcapital.com.au. They've got some amazing transactions in small cap companies. If you're 708, some, some brilliant deals that go in. Uh, that go into the market, especially in the mining space. And we also had some amazing tech work on theirs last week. We are on iTunes, Bip Show, you know that underscore. We're on Twitter for some reason. You know where we are. Look, I'm not going to go into it. It's, it's all going to take too long. Well, I've got all the shows and the notes uh, are on Wheel and Capital. Follow the links to the Bip Show. That's on the website. James Wheel and 42. Everyone knows Kyle Rodder on Twitter. Everyone knows Heath Moss on Twitter. No introduction needed. This show is produced by Drunken Monkeys, working in their pyjamas in the dark, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. Thanks for having me on. Cheers. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 